Today on this edition of the Heartland Community Church Podcast, Digital Campus Pastor Trevor McDonald continues the series for anyone and everyone. We are in the series for anyone and everyone, um, and this is week three. We're going to conclude it next week with the Four City Worship Weekend, um, and I'm excited about today because we're going to talk about this idea of what it looks like to be a person that is for anyone and everyone in our life and in our world, and Jesus actually talks about this in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to get right into it so we can kind of uh, enjoy the rest of our beautiful day because it is nice outside and the sun's out, which is like... Rare, but it is out, so we're going to get out there. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. I'm going to paraphrase the first part, and then I'll kind of read some of these, some of these verses for us. Jesus is asked this question by an expert in the law. Verse 25 tells us an expert in the law asked him this question, how do I inherit eternal life? Now, an expert in the law is basically someone who studies the law, studies the Torah, studies everything within the Old Testament, and knows it like verbatim. This is an expert in the law asking Jesus this question, what does it look like to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, how would you read it? How do you interpret it? What does it say to you? And the man responds. He says, well, you know, love the Lord God, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, great, good job. You nailed it, A+. Plus. It could have ended right there, right? Then verse 29, it says this. The man asks, okay, who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. Remember, this is an expert in the law trying to justify himself. Basically, he's asking the question like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do I have to love? We ask this question, like there's people that we're like supposed to love. Like I love my wife and some days I love my kids, but who... I'm kidding. Come on. That's a joke. But who do I, like, this is the reason why this guy's asked this question. He's saying, who do I really actually have to love? Who am I bound to love? And Jesus goes on with this story, and it's a famous story, the Good Samaritan. And we probably either, either have heard it, or we've read it, or we've heard people talk about it. But today's going to be one of those days where we're going to dissect this story and perhaps if you're like me, when I read this story and I begin to dissect it and look at every little integral detail, it honestly makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Because remember what Jesus is doing. He's responding to a question, who then is my neighbor? Who do I actually have to love regardless of what goes on in life? Who's my neighbor? And this is Jesus' response. Verse 30 says this. Let's read it. It's been on the screens. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, any extra expense that you may have. Then Jesus says, which one of these... 
three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The man said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Today we're gonna talk about this idea of what it looks like to be a neighbor according to what Jesus has to say. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that, God, we can gather. We get to come in this room, celebrate who you are, and also look into your story, look into this story in particular. And, God, I pray that even for myself, that, Lord, you would reveal even more to me when it comes to this idea of what it, it, what it means to actually be a neighbor today. God, I pray that any discomfort that we may feel when it comes to facing ourselves and facing what it looks like to be a neighbor according to your word, I pray that, God, we'd face that today. And, God, I pray that we would walk out of here different and changed because of the Holy Spirit being in this space. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, so uh, I asked this to the 9 o'clock, but I'll just kind of say it to you guys. Anybody um, mountain bike? Great. Zero again. All righty. Who's been on a bike before? There they are. All right. Still with training wheels. Just kidding. Come on. <laughs> that was great. It's like a teenager being like, don't judge me, bro. Like, they're still on there. I went mountain biking for the first time like two years ago when I lived in South Carolina. Uh, we had some friends or we had a family come down uh, to South Carolina to visit with us for Thanksgiving. And they're like actual mountain bikers that go mountain biking. South Carolina actually has mountains, by the way. Rockford, they're called hills, okay? So this is hill trail riding. That is actual mountain biking. Now, they asked me one of the days, like, hey, do you want to go? My brother-in-law asked me, and I said, in my head, I'm like, no. I'd rather just stay inside or just walk around the house, enjoy the fresh air that way. Like, going mountain biking was not something I was, like, excited to do. I feel like, don't you have to train for this? Do you have to, like, take classes on this stuff, right? So he's like, no, 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 we'll be fine. I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. We'll take the easy trail. That right there was a setup. Let's just, you know, let's just throw that out there. So we get out there, and I'm like, I was in a time in my life where I'm, I'm trying to do, like, let's do hard things. If someone asks you to do something that's difficult and uncomfortable, let's go for it. Whatever, whatever happens is going to happen. So we get out there. They have their bikes, and then they gave me the extra bike, which this bike had wheels, like, this small, and they somehow said it's a mountain bike. They might have been lying, but whatever is the only one they had left. So then I get the helmet on, and my brother-in-law is telling me, he's like, hey, look, when we're on the trail, Here's some things you have to keep in mind. When you're going on the trail, you don't want to look straight down. You want to kind of look pretty far ahead of you so you can, like, see what's coming up, whether it's a rock or, you know, a tree is coming out so you can know what's ahead so you're not staring straight down and then you hit those things. I'm like, okay, I'm putting all this in my head, right? I got this. I got this. Okay, mountain biking. Got it. We'll survive. Then what you have to do, you have to actually ride up the mountain to then come back down the mountain, I thought I was a person that's in shape. Not at all in shape when it comes to these things. First 10 minutes, you're like, <laughs> they're way ahead of me. I'm like biking, but then the leaves are like wet, so they're flying behind me, and I'm like falling over, and I'm like, guys, keep going. We're good. Is there a lift to get up there? <laughs> like, can we just drive to the top? This seems like a lot of, you know, extra stress on myself. I don't need this. So then I'm riding on my bike. Okay, I get it. I'm not kidding. My quads, hammies, whatever they are, everything else, I'm dying. Like, this is not enjoyable. Finally, we get to the top, and my, my brother-in-law is like, hey, man, this is the fun part. I was like, like being done? <laughs> like, 
Does someone pick us up? He's like, no, we get, to, <laughs> we get to ride down the hill. I was like, oh, okay. Just, so there's not a lot of work other than just make sure you avoid everything. I was like, okay, we can do that. Well, I'll stay in the back. You guys go ahead because I'm totally going to mess up for sure. But you guys, I'll follow y'all. So I'm like going down the hill. And then I come to this point where I'm at the top of this little mountain and I'm like, man, this is actually really, really cool. The birds are chirping. It's beautiful out. I like look off to my left and I see this beautiful lake and I'm like, man, I'm glad I came out here. And then I hit a rock and I go flying like over the handlebars, bike goes over me and I like skid on this hill going down. I jack up my leg, head nails the ground. Thank God I was wearing a helmet. So if you ever go mountain biking, make sure you got the helmet on. So I nail my head and I'm like, whew. I remember just sitting there like on the ground, staring up in the sky and thinking like, I'm dead. This is it. I shouldn't have came. I knew it. It's a bad idea. And then I have a thought like, wow, it's beautiful. I'm all alone. And then I hear like my tire just like do that like whizz, like that's still going. And I'm waiting in my head. I'm like, I'm going to wait till that stops, you know, to know if I'm, if I'm actually breathing. And once it stops, I'll know like, okay, good. I can get up now. So it's like slowing down. And then I think to myself, well, surely someone heard me scream when I hit the ground. Someone ahead of me or someone that's coming behind me. No one came. <laughs> I'm like laying there like, <laughs> this would have been really awesome if like my brother-in-law, I, I, I yelled things when I hit the rock, like things. Okay, we're in church, so I yelled things. And then I hit the ground. I'm sure once I nailed my head and I yelled, someone would have been like, man, I think Trev might have, you know, crashed. Maybe we should go back and look for him. No one looked for me. So then I kind of like get up and I kind of like, if you do something stupid, like guys, we're really good at this, doing something dumb. We do something dumb and we think to ourselves, what did I just do? How did that, did that just happen? I just went flying over this bike on a mountain, never been mountain biking, and I'm all alone. Here's the reason why I'm telling this story. When I think about this response that Jesus has, Jesus is telling this expert in the law this, this story of someone who is on this road, half dead, beaten and, stole, and stuff stolen from him. And then Jesus is going to say, someone coming to him is exactly what it looks like to be a neighbor. I'm telling you, when I'm there by myself, like on this hill, on this, on this mountain, I'm like, I don't care if it's a child that comes up to me. Anybody just be like, I'm here for you, buddy. It looks like it hurt. But you're a grown man, so let's get up. <laughs> like anything would have been good. And when I see this story, Jesus is describing three different characters that are introduced to this story. Three different people that see this half-dead man on this, on this hill, on this road down to Jericho. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down this story, and then I'm going to give you three different thoughts about it. Number one is this. Because Jesus uses the detail that he uses, it infers that this story has actually happened. Meaning this, by Jesus using details like Jerusalem down to Jericho, introduces three different characters a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. It would have inferred to the listener, to the expert in the law, that this has actually taken place. It could even further infer that this individual who's asking the question, who's my neighbor, Jesus is actually saying, you would have known the story. And potentially, you would have taken place in the story. 
By being an expert in the law, you would have known that this thing would have actually happened, either in the law or in the present time. Furthermore, Jesus talks about this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, if you're like me, when I read scripture and I see these stories, I'm like, oh, a road, like, you know, like downtown Rockford, the, you know, like once it's my turn to cross the street, I, that's a road. I just kind of like cross the street. Or maybe I'm like on 90, like a big old road, right? Like automatically our, our head goes to our own definition of a road. But this road, Jerusalem to Jericho, Jerusalem would have been at like a 2,500 feet above sea level. Jericho would have been 800 feet above sea level. A 17 to 18 mile road, you're going down about 200 feet every single mile. Are you following? This is the road that this man was found on. And furthermore, this road at points would have been like three feet in width. So a priest comes on to this body, sees this person half dead on the side of the road. And what does the scripture tell us? The priest did what? Crossed over to the other side of the road. And our heads were like, oh, that totally makes sense. All he did was cross the street. All he did was go to the other sidewalk. But here, let me show you this picture of this road, Jerusalem to Jericho. This is the road that this man would have been found half dead on. And our heads were thinking, oh, he just walked on over to the other side. That's easy. No, no, a priest and a Levite would have had to risk their own life to cross this road. They would, have been, they would have had been incredibly intentional by avoiding a half-dead person on the road. It wouldn't have been several steps. It would have been one giant step. Are you following? And the road would have been incredibly uh, filled, filled with gravel, tough terrain. They would have risked their own life by crossing to one side because they would have gone to their own death. Jesus is saying this story, Jerusalem to Jericho, this isn't like just a road that you and I have an idea of. No, it's a road that's going to be very risky for this priest and this Levite to actually tend to this person. So what do they do? Just cross the road. They would have had to avoid this person by just stepping over them and then avoiding them falling themselves. Now, a priest would have made sense. A Levite would have made sense. Again, expert in the law. Context is key. Expert in the law asks the question, who's my neighbor? Jesus saying, well, a priest came down the road just like this. And instead of stopping, he passed on to the other side. If I'm the expert in the law, I'm like, oh, of course he did. Why? Because it's a priest. If a priest touches anything dead or dying, that means he's ceremonially unclean. This is what it says in the scripture, right? Look at what it says in, in Leviticus 21. This is why it would have made total sense for, for a priest to be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And for the expert in the law to be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Keep going, Jesus. What, what's the rest of your story? This is what it says, Leviticus 21. A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die. So if I'm the expert in the law, I'm like, man, you nailed it, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we don't touch dead people. Like, we're told not to do that. Except, look at this, verse 2. Except for a close relative, such as his mother or father or son or daughter. What am I saying? Jesus is basically telling this expert in the law, you have misinterpreted the law. For a priest not to stop is actually breaking the law. It's actually doing the wrong, the wrong thing. It's making the wrong choice because this person on the side of the road, half dead, is not someone to avoid. It's actually someone to go to and be a neighbor to. Are you following? So Jesus is saying, hey, expert in the law, you've misinterpreted what this law actually says. You're supposed to go to this person. Not only is he your neighbor, 
That is your family. So in our own lives, when we say, well, who's my neighbor? How do I have to, who do I actually have to love? Like proximity. Who am I bound to? Everyone. Because it's your what? It's your relative. It's your family. Every single person you and I come across, when Jesus is telling this story, again, I'm telling you, this is a very uncomfortable conversation. Because Jesus is like, hey, expert in the law. You answered a few questions well. But let me tell you that you have actually misinterpreted what it is written. This person on this road down to Jericho is actually your family. The priest should have been the first to stop. Then he goes to a Levite. Then he comes to a Samaritan. What happens with the Samaritan? Three things that the Samaritan does. If you're taking notes, you're amazing. If not, just write it on someone's arm next to you. That's fine. If you forgot paper or whatever. Or put it in your phone. Three things that the person does. Three things that the Samaritan does, right? He sees, he feels, and he gives. He sees, he feels, and he gives. Let's break these down. Number one is this. He sees the man. Verse 33 says, the Samaritan came. As he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him. Now, this is interesting because if I'm the listener, again, I'm the expert in the law, I'm the one asking the question, who's my neighbor? The priest saw the man. The Levite saw the man. And then Jesus simply just says, and then a Samaritan saw him. But who knows, there's a huge difference between seeing something and then like really seeing something. Like, hey, did you see the game last night? Yeah, I saw the game. Then you ask another person, like, oh, man, did you see the second quarter when they handed the ball off and then he ran all the way down to the touchdown? It was amazing. That person saw the game. Like they can tell you every single integral detail about that thing that they saw. This individual is, is hearing Jesus saying, the priest saw him but avoided. The Levite saw him but avoided. And then a Samaritan man comes and he saw him and he stopped his life. And he paused. And he slowed down. That's why I think about this idea when Jesus is answering this question about a Samaritan seeing is that you and I in our lives, we are going so fast that we avoid trouble like it's the plague. But Jesus is saying, hey, who's your neighbor? It's the one right here bleeding and dying. It's the one that's, that's in need of desperate help. And you're not only to see him from a distance, you're to see him up close. So he sees them. See, what's crazy about this story, Jesus uses these two characters, right? He uses a Samaritan, and then the person on the side of the road is this Jewish man dying. For a Samaritan to actually serve this Jewish man that's dying would have been crazy. See, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. They clashed. They intentionally were hostile towards one another in public. For them to even be around each other would have been chaos. So the fact that Jesus is actually sharing this story to this expert in the law, I can only imagine this guy being like, whoa, 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 you had me at the priest and Levite. Who's this Samaritan person? That's my enemy. That's a person I actually hate. This is how serious this relationship would have been. I've been like, no, 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 there's no way my enemy or the person I dislike the most would come and actually sit and help this broken, dying person. That would never make sense. And yet Jesus is painting this picture. It's like, oh, the one you hate the most, the one you dislike the most, that's the person that's going to come and serve. That's the person that's going to come and heal. That's the person that's going to come and sit. And that's the person that Jesus is describing, who is your neighbor? Again, I'm telling you, this story, you start reading this thing and start bringing it down, it is incredibly uncomfortable. But imagine being the expert in the law, being like, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. 
those people don't sit with me. Those people aren't invited into my circles. Those people don't have an opinion on my life. I don't invite those people in. And Jesus is like, I know. And this is exactly why I use a Samaritan in this story. So you would get a picture of what it looks like on who is your neighbor. Right? The Samaritan sees. Number two is he feels. I love this is that the Bible says in verse 33, what it continues, it says the man saw him and then he had pity on him. This, this word pity is this idea of compassion, this strong churning in your belly that says I have to go to this broken and hurting man. I don't even have a choice. I have to go. And Jesus, again, responding to a question, who then is my neighbor? It's the one that there's something inside of that says, I have to do something about this. I cannot stand by and watch hurting and broken people continue to be hurt and broken. I have to go. There's something inside that says, I need to be right where that person is and sit in this pain of this individual. You know what a good neighbor does? Good neighbors sit in your pain with you. Right now, even now, you could probably start thinking of someone who actually sat there in the worst and hardest time in your life that began to just sit there. Now, I had a whole bunch of things to say because sometimes people just like to talk. <laughs> a good neighbor just sits and shuts up and listens. This is like my hardest thing because I like to talk. My wife knows this. I just, I just like to talk. And she's like, great, good job talking. I have something to say too, right? So we're learning. But a good neighbor knows how to see someone in distress, hurt, in their pain. And instead of just sharing all their thoughts and opinions, what do they do? They just sit there and they listen. So they have a better understanding of what the pain actually is. We're so good at just tossing out opinions. And I love this story because what happens? This man comes to this person, sees him, feels the pain without any judgment. We're really good at this. What do we do? There must be a reason why this person's broken and hurting. They must have had a, a, a mistake in their past. That's the reason why they keep getting divorced. That's the reason why they choose who to love. That's the reason why they live on that side of town. There's a reason why. So we judge automatically in our brain. We might do something good. We might come up and serve them and help them, but automatically there's judgment. And Jesus is like, hey, no, 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 no. Without judgment, Sit with people, feel their pain, feel their hurt, have empathy for them. This would have been so radical and crazy for this story as it's being, un as it's being told and as it's unfolding that this expert in the law would have been like, whoa, this doesn't make any sense. I've never heard anything like this. And Jesus is saying, yeah, this is what it looks like to be a neighbor sitting listening and learning from others. You know how difficult it is in our day and age right now to learn from other people, to listen to their hurts, listen to their pain, the reason why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. But this is what Jesus is saying. What does it look like to be a good neighbor? You see them and you feel what they're feeling, feel their pain with them without judgment. Number three is this Samaritan does is that he gives. I love this part because there's so much it takes place at the end of the story as Jesus is responding to this expert in the law. What does he say? So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. As he saw him and took pity on him, he was able to bandage his wounds, pouring on oil and wine on where he was actually wounded. 
he got to the point where he was actually seeing where it was hurting, felt where the hurt was, and was able to address the symptoms. See, as neighbors, it's so easy to kind of like, it looks like that person's arm is broken, give them a sling. In reality, the person's like, it's my leg that's shattered. It's not my arm. But what we do is we love loving from afar. It's easy to love from afar. It's easy to have judgment from afar. Yet Jesus, again, what is he doing? He's responding to a question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is like, I will tell you who. It's this one. And then you need to get down and see where they're hurting the most and give what you got. The Samaritan man bandages up the wounds, pours out oil and wine on where he was hurting the most, and then he didn't just bandage and leave. Then what did he do? He picked him up, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Then verse 35 says, the next day. So quick pause. He puts him on his donkey on that road that I showed you earlier, 17-mile road, 200 uh, feet drop every single mile on his own donkey, holding him up as he's maybe just kind of getting his last breath in, as he's trying to stay alive. Goes all the way down to Jericho to an inn to then put him up, pays for it, and stays with him. Y'all, this is crazy. This story is so fun to talk about in like kids' church. But then when you get older and you look at it and you see the details of it, you're like, oh man, I'm not a good neighbor. I gotta, I, I gotta understand this a little bit more. He picked him up and put him on, on his own donkey, brought him down to an inn, and then sat with him for an entire night? Because there was no guarantee this man was going to live and survive. And yet, I'm going to take time out of my own moment, my own day, my own money. I'm going to give everything I have to this person. And then the next day, it says this. The next day, he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that he may have. This was like beyond. This is when Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, it says, if someone asks you for a jacket, give them your shirt as well. If someone asks you to go to a mile, go two miles. Go above and beyond. If we actually look at the teachings of Jesus, it's radical stuff. It's crazy. Jesus even responding in this way to someone who would have known the law verbatim. He's like, hey, you want me to show you what it looks like to be a neighbor? Here, right here. You see you feel, and you give. This idea of values always gets me. I like to say, you can always tell about what somebody values by what they talk about and then by what they do. Like someone talks about their favorite sports team, and then you ask them how the game was, and they're like, huh? Or or, or it's like someone talking about like fitness and dieting, and then they eat bad stuff throughout the week, and they don't look like they diet. Like, do they actually value, like, man, I'm, 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 fitness is everything to me. And then you look, come back to them and they're like, 
is it really? Like, is it actually a value? Like, are you following me? Like, you can tell what somebody actually values by sometimes they talk about it a lot. That seems like they actually love that thing or they're, they're all about that thing. But then when it push comes to shove and, and the rubber meets the road, it's like, do they actually value it by their behavior? We could say, oh, I'm a good neighbor. But when it comes down to it, am I really a good neighbor? This expert in the law would be like, oh, I talk about it. I know all about it. But when it comes down to being a neighbor to the broken, do you actually value this thing? And this is what Jesus is talking about. I'm not asking you if you know a lot. I'm asking you if you actually act it out. This is the story that Jesus responds again with the question. Okay, then who's my neighbor? The one who sees, the one who feels, and the one who gives. The one who sees slows down their life to see people. The one who feels, the one who can actually pause their life and listen more. Hurt with the hurting. Feel the pain of the broken. And then you give what you have. You might not have a donkey to throw someone on. You might not have two coins to pay for someone's hotel room for the night. But you may have a little bit of time. You may have something to give. And this is what Jesus is saying. You want to know what it looks like to be a neighbor? See, you feel, and you give. And I love it because Jesus answers the question, remember, who is my neighbor? Jesus basically says, I will tell you who your neighbor is, but I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to tell you how to neighbor. Jesus gives us these simple instructions on what it looks like to be a neighbor. Not just defining of who is a neighbor, but how to be a neighbor. In our everyday life, are we seeing, are we feeling, are we giving? So here's some real practical things, because I always like to give some practicals, and then we're not walking out of here like, that was great, or it wasn't, but whatever. Here's some practical steps that, that we can ask ourselves, is, is every single day, like when we wake up, Maybe it's a reminder on your phone. Maybe you write it down like in your car or at the office or on your mirror or bathroom mirror or whatever it may be. A simple prayer. God, who can I be a neighbor to today? Instead of who is my neighbor, who can I be a neighbor to? Show me that person. Show me those people. Who can I be a neighbor to today? And then begin to get good at the habit of asking others, how can I help? Real simple stuff right? How can I help? I might not have all the things to give, but how can I help in this moment being people who become good neighbors? What would it look like if you and I became good neighbors? You are known for being a good neighbor to the what? To the anyone's and the everyone's. Can we define anyone and everyone? Frankly, not really, because this is the whole uncomfortable part about it. Well, who's the anyone and everyone's? I don't know. Anyone and everyone. What, what, what inside of you causes so much discomfort when I see someone hurting, when I see someone in pain? What goes on inside of me? Is it judgment? Is it, is it pain? What, 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 what do I need to do to be a neighbor to that person or to those people? What can I do? Do I need to listen more? Do I need to sit with them? Do I actually see their hurt? Do I actually see their pain? Before I cast judgment, have I actually seen them first for who they are? 
Jesus describing the story to an expert in the law would have been the most radical story. And I love it because what happens at the end? Jesus asks him the question, so who? Who out of the three was the neighbor? Now, it's pretty obvious for you and me, right? The Samaritan, it's clear. But look what the man says. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Almost to the point where the expert in the law, there's no way that he was going to even utter the word Samaritan. There's so much pain and so much hurt, but he could not help himself to respond to what the truth was. What was it? The man who gave mercy, the man who saw, the man who felt, the man who gave. That is the one that's being the neighbor. The one who sees, the one who feels, the one who gives. And then Jesus simply says, go and do likewise. And then the story ends and then it moves on to something else. But may we be some, maybe be people that actually sit with this uncomfortable reality when Jesus responds and says, what does it look like? Who is your neighbor? How to be a neighbor? And then he explains all these different things. And then he just simply says, do. Go and do it. Will it be difficult? My God, it'll be difficult. Will it be hard to love the one you hate? Yes. Will it be be hard to love the ones you don't understand? Yes. Will it be hard to love the ones that don't look like you? Yes. Will it be hard to love people that you don't even agree with religiously, ethically? Nothing. Will it be difficult? Yes. And this is what I love about this story. Jesus doesn't hold any punches back. He's like, oh, it's a Samaritan that actually came and served the one that was dying, the Jewish person that was dying on the side of the road. Sit with that for a minute. Your enemy, the one you hate, is the one that came and saved you. Radical. Let's sit with that for a second. And Jesus is saying, how to be a neighbor? Who, who is your neighbor? Now go and do it to the anyone's and everyone's. So what would it look like if a church was known by neighboring well? Here's the truth. We're going to get a lot of things wrong. There's going to be things in this book we're going to disagree with. We're going to come in a space like this and be like, man, the lights are too bright. The sound is too loud. The music is too, Carrington jumps too much. I'm sick of it. I wasn't greeted well. There's no parking spots. Someone took my seat. Listen, y'all, we're going to mess it all up. What are we doing? Can we not mess this one up? How to be a neighbor to folks? How to love the anyone's and everyone's? Let's not mess that one up. Well, I don't like how they look. I don't like how they dress. I don't like that we're welcoming in everybody. Okay. Look, this ain't me. He just simply said it. Go and do it. Is it hard? Oh, it's hard. It'll be hard. Go and do. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to have to love people that don't love me back. I got to love people that don't agree with me. I got to serve people that hate me, who aren't the same color of my skin. I will able to cast judgment But instead of casting judgment, I give love, even if I don't understand it. But I will say this. 
at least I went through the three steps. I took the time to see people. It's the thing, it's the problem with all of us. Sometimes, man, I don't have the time to see what her people are actually going through. Pause our life enough to see the pain in folk. This is why Jesus said the priest and Levite, they cross the other side. They risk their own life just missing out on an opportunity to love somebody. And then a Samaritan comes around and stops his life, and he sees them, and he feels the pain. He gives what he has. And Jesus is like, that's your neighbor, and that's how you neighbor. So go and do it. This is hard. It's going to be difficult. That's why I prayed earlier. Jesus, we're going to be really uncomfortable today. I gotta, I gotta, I'm the one that has to sit with this story. we got to sit with the scripture, meditate on it, not just pass through it, count it as a cute story we heard in Sunday school. No, 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 no. we got to live in this thing. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this story. It's radical. It's crazy. I don't understand all of it. Truthfully, it's hard. It's so hard to live. But God, I ask you for help to be able to acknowledge who my neighbor is. And God, help me to be a good neighbor to others. God, even in my discomfort, even in my own opinions and judgments, help me to love like you love. Help me to serve like you served. God, may we become a church that is known by being good neighbors in this community and beyond, according to your scripture, according to your story, not our fabricated thoughts, but your word. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys stand with me to close out. We're going to sing one last song, and then we can head out and enjoy this day. But I want to encourage us in this last thought. When I look at this story, Jesus is talking about this idea of who's your neighbor, how to neighbor. And you might be here today, and you might be thinking, well, that sounds great, Trev, but I actually feel like that broken, dying individual on the side of the road, hopeless, alone, abandoned. I kind of feel like that person Here's the brilliance within this text. Jesus is responding to what the question was and the expert in the law was asking. And yet Jesus is also saying, hey, I am the one that comes to the one that's sitting on the side of the road. I am the one that stops. I'm not the one that crosses over to the other side. I'm actually the one who stops, sees, feels, and gives. Whatever it is, you're feeling, you're sensing, you're hurting the pain that's going on. Jesus sees you as you are. This is the brilliance about this end of the story I love so much. What is it? What happens with the guy? The Samaritan tells the innkeeper, hey, on my way back, if the bill gets really high and it makes you nervous as the innkeeper, because this is your business, I got you. On my way back through town, I'll pay for it. Doesn't matter what it is. I don't care how high it gets. I don't care how many mistakes you and I make. Jesus is saying, I got it. I pay the bill. I took care of it on the cross. I took care of it when I was resurrected. I take care of the bill in your life, in my life. When we feel like our bill is too high, my mistakes are too long, 
Jesus saying, hey, on my way back, friend, I got you. I got you. This is a story of the gospel. This is Jesus saying to you and to me, I see you sitting in your pain, and I'm giving everything I have for your life. Amen? So as we sing this song, may it serve as a reminder that the reckless love of Jesus, the unfathomable love of Jesus is saying, I got you. No matter how far you run, I got you. Amen? Come on, let's sing this song together today. You've been listening to part three of For Anyone and Everyone with Trevor McDonald. You can watch the online version of the message by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.